You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So joining me today on Jaybird Watching, here I have Zach Helton of the Bluefield Blue Jays, the voice of the Bluefield Blue Jays. So Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. You know, it's not quite freezing up here in Rochester, New York yet, but it's getting into the seventies already. <laughs> I, I've got a I've got a light jacket on right now, which is uh, it's painful in Appalachia to wear a jacket this early in the year. But uh, it, it was like one day it was summer, the next day it was fall, and and I'm kind of glad fall's here. It, it's always nice here uh, uh, that when the leaves change, it's a beautiful area to be in. Yeah, and right there at Bowen Field, I can see why exactly why you guys would have such a beautiful uh, scenery. It was wonderful when I was down there visiting. Um, I want to say it was August, July-ish. I came down and announced a game with you, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think it was about mid-July. The same night you were there, Brady Little, former Boston Red Sox manager, was there, and uh, Smokey the Bear was there. So it was, yeah. uh, it was a wild night. Yeah, he had to bottom feet a little bit to get me there and uh, have all that mic time versus Smokey the Bear and Grady, right? <laughs> well, uh, you know, Grady, Grady took the mic first, and then you and Smokey arm wrestled, and, and you came out on top. So, you know, I was very impressed. You, you, you've got great form, and uh, you, Craig, if, if this radio thing doesn't work out, I think you could tour and do a great arm wrestling uh, uh, thing on the road. There you go. I am. They have no. De- it wasn't just me distracting him with a little bit of a lighter on the other side that I was enough to be able to pin him down. <laughs> so, well, as... yeah, I was about to light up a cigarette. I was about to light up a cigarette. And I said, oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Only you can prevent forest fires, Zach. Don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, and you remember the booth. Everything was flammable in there. So it was definitely a, a good thing that you'd be in an because if we had to chase him out with fire, I think we would have been in a lot of trouble. We're all done. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, outside the press box, <laughs> the rest of the ballpark, um, I made the goof with you on the air that it almost felt like it's kind of like a wooded area, uh, field of dreams as far as the backdrop goes. Instead of it being a cornfield, you had the nice, wonderful woods and wilderness, and this thing kind of, this Bowen field is just buried kind of almost in like the canyon middle of the uh, mountains there. It's a nice little spot to be playing baseball every night. Hey. It's a beautiful spot. I tell you, if, if, if you had time, I could have took you around, you know, uh, Mercer County, uh, Tazewell County, all the surrounding areas. And that is very similar to all the sporting venues, football stadiums and baseball stadiums alike in uh, Appalachia here. Uh, usually they cut out a mountain and put a baseball field or a football stadium. And there's mountains and trees surrounding everything. And it, every athletic venue 
in this area. It's just it's different. Everyone's different, and everyone's beautiful in it. And Bowen Field is one of the uh, just premier places to catch a game, like you said. Uh, and you know, I took it for granted because I grew up here, and, and I've always been a Bluefield Oriole or a Blue Jay fan. So I, you know, I spent my childhood at Bowen Field, and it was tremendous to be in the booth. And, and you know, your first time at Bowen. You were in love, and that was just, you know, my childhood. As soon as I had my first time there, I was in love, too. Yeah, honestly, I was caught completely off guard, and um, it has that wonderful kind of like that rustic old-school feel to it, kind of almost like Bull Durham-esque, but then it has that lovely backdrop to everything, too. It was just great places to play a ball, uh, see a ball game, and in all reality, you're right on top of the action, which is what most fans don't get to see. And with the talent you guys had there this year, or even having visitors like Grady Little, clearly you guys are on the map, right? Yeah, it's, Grady was telling me an awesome story right before you came on. He coached his first manager job uh, in the professional level was at Bluefield for the Orioles. And I uh, guess they had, had a few nights where they didn't get a run or you very little hits. So they got back to the ballpark one day. He had an entire mound of bats in the bullpen and he set them on fire. <laughs> he either set them on fire or buried them. Either one or the other. I can't quite remember. I remember but, hearing uh, about burying them while I was sitting there. Again. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was burying, burying the bat. And uh, that night, I think they scored like 12 runs and won the ball game. That's great. <laughs> it's almost like the bad juju but, dies tonight, right? <laughs> yeah, he's like, we're, we're killing it right now. And he, you know, he, he said, uh, how, uh, I don't know if I was stupid or brave, you know, my first manager job and I'm pulling these stunts and I was like this I, I just wanted to soak that story in and I said man this is Grady Little telling me you know he thought this might be the end of the road for him in Blitzfield because of this stunt and, uh, you know you hear quirky stories like that all the time in baseball and, and that's that's one of the things that makes baseball so great you can go to a ballpark any day and see something different and uh, you know just spending an you know not getting a chance to go uh, every night as a kid, but you you know that magic's still there, and it, you know it didn't diminish being there every night and being for uh, you know the great team that Bluefield was this year. Every night was fun, and uh, you know it was just a top-notch summer all the way around. And and uh, you know I thought we were going to get the championship at the end. Uh, Princeton got us in that final series, but uh, you know it, it, you know that didn't take away from the great year. Uh, not only the team Bluefield had, but a lot of the guys uh, had as a, as a year as well. Yeah, and that's actually um, what we're going to dive into next, my friend, as far as everything goes. I want to make sure that all Blue Jays fans in general know at least that this is Dennis Holmberg's. He had his 1,500th minor league win during this whole you know wonderful season you guys had, running to a 42-26 and 26 record. Um, he's been a staple for the Toronto Blue Jays minor league system for what, what seems like ages or a lifetime in baseball at this point. How was it being around somebody like him every day? It was it was awesome. I you know uh, I was in his office a lot. Uh, we did uh, a pregame segment. Uh, I, I didn't want to bother him too much, so we did a managerial minute, which turned into about four minutes. So once a week, uh, and then in the playoffs, I got with him every every game, but. Uh, just sitting in there and, and soaking up all that baseball knowledge, you know, like you said, the baseball lifer, uh, he's probably seen more baseball than I'll, you know, ever remember. And he, he got his 1500th win. I, I was, it was awesome to be a part of that. 
hand. But, you know, he is, I, I was telling somebody the other day, he is right where he needs to be. The kids that age group coming out of high school or coming out of college, some of the Dominican kids are, or uh, as Cardinho, still a teenager at 17, uh, you know, these kids are not only learning the game of baseball, but they're learning life at the same time. This is a lot of those guys, first time, uh, you know, uh, being without their family or being away from home. And Dennis Holmberg is, you know, a father figure to a lot of these guys. And they just respect him so much. They go out and play hard every night for him. And uh, it's a testament of how uh, how he treats the game and he treats the players. You know, he respects the game and respects the players. And, uh, you know, you can see that in, in the, not only this year's team, but teams of the past that's been here and played for uh, Dennis. You know, <laughs> he knows how to get the kids in the right set of, set of mind to not only, you know, get better daily uh, on the baseball field, but get better in life and uh, just see the bigger picture. And uh, a lot of these guys from opening, uh, you know, opening night to the playoff series, they grew as men. And it was, it was, that was one of the more fun things to be a part of this year, just watching those guys grow as ball players and guys. And, uh, you know, whether it be falling this far, going back home to, uh, to their families, they're, they're going to see a big difference in how they were when they dropped them off in Bluefield and uh, after the season end, you know, uh, Hats off to Dennis Holmberg and his entire staff. They uh, they know uh, they know the way around the clubhouse and how to deal with the egos. Which at the the rookie level, not much egos, but every once in a while you'll deal with something like that. And and uh, Dennis Holmberg always has control of the clubhouse, and uh, that's a testament. Him and 1,500 wins, you know, speaks for itself. Yeah, it's amazing. And in all reality, obviously, he must love what he is doing every day. And as far as it goes, you don't get 1,500 wins if you don't like what you're doing. <laughs> and he must be having plenty of talent around him. He's been in the Jays system since 1978, I was reading today. And I knew he had been there for a long time, but that's just, like I said, a lifetime of baseball. And knowing that he's got these talented guys with him every day. This year, his guys came to bat for him, and that heart that you had mentioned was the full-on reason behind it. This is a whole team effort looking at these box scores throughout the season, and I'm sure you can attest to that as far as you get, you know, they're in the top four in almost every offensive category, including triple slash lines. It's slightly insane scoring 395 runs in a the quick season of 68, 69 games that you guys have. Yeah, uh, just one off the top of my head, Cal Stevenson. 61 runs in, you know, less than 70 games. So, you know, uh, Cal, it seemed like every time he got, yeah, every time he got on base, he scored. But Dennis, last thought on Dennis, Dennis has been the only manager of the Bluefield Blue Chase. When the Bluefield, uh, when the Bluefield Baseball Club switched from the Orioles to the Blue Jays, Dennis Holmberg was put in that position. And he's been the only manager in Bluefield uh, with the Jays. So, he, I think they found his spot there, and you know, uh, if I'm in Bluefield next summer, I hope he is too. So, I, that's something I, that I don't lost know. in the uh, data sheet when you're looking it up on Baseball Reference. <laughs> that knowing the fact that he's been there as a Bluefield Blue Jay, period, at this point, and it's just, that's crazy. Like I only wish they had that kind of job security. <laughs> yeah, you know they uh, they love him, and, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, he's had some great years at Bluefield. You know, 
despite not winning the championship last year, had a really good team. You got ousted in the first, well, the, uh, yeah, the semifinal and then the finals round in the Appalachian League, ousted in the semifinals round last year and, and the same this year. You know, uh, it's not, when you get to the playoffs, uh, it's not like most sports. Baseball, you know, baseball managers are very important. Uh, I mean, it's, you don't really have to say that, but uh, sometimes just things out of your control, you know, uh, the Princeton Rays, great organization, and the Rays organization had some heavy, heavy hands in the top of the draft this year, and they kind of brought uh, a lot of those guys down for the playoff push. Bluefield, more so, they, they uh, other than Groshans, who was there a couple of weeks ahead of the playoffs, they kind of danced with who they brought, and you know, it was a great series nonetheless. But uh, you know, Princeton was uh, you know they hadn't they had I think they have one Appalachian League championship and they were really really wanting this one this year and they still didn't win. Yeah, they so they really brought close. a lot. Of, yeah, came really close. Elizabeth and uh, won it again, which they always have a great squad. But Princeton brought you know uh, a couple of guys up from uh, the Gulf Coast who uh, you know I don't know if they were ready or not, but you know they were high draft picks and I think they had a few guys from Low A come down to help the push. So they they were all in, which Bluefield was all in as well. But, you know, Bluefield more so left, uh, brought, you know, this is this is who we've been with all year. Here we go. So, uh, you know, and it was a great three-game series. Uh, some things, you know, sometimes it doesn't play off in your favor. And the third game of that series was really wild. Uh, Jays were ahead and in it, and then a couple of errors and, and just costly mistakes cost the ball game, and, and sometimes that happens. And, but you can't you can't diminish on uh, anything the Bluefield Baseball Club did this season. No, not at all, and that, and that's where we're going to try getting more into that highlighting that note on that. The one thing that you guys also had playing against you is at least the Lan- Lansing Glugnuts were also a major playoff threat. So uh, coming down, guys, we're not really coming in your direction. <laughs> if any no, of the guys where your team was going up. <laughs> Yeah, I just think if you could put the, the Bluefield Blue Jays and Lansing Lugnuts together, uh, that, you know, what a powerhouse that would have been. Uh, I, you know, there, there would have been some left off that roster that, you know, would be, you know. Good players on other teams. Wins. Yeah. Yeah. She wins for starting lineups of other teams. So, you know, the, the Blue Jays organization definitely has, uh, you know, looking up and down the uh, – the entire farm, you know, there's a lot of promise. And uh, Blue Jays fans, I know this this has been a rough year at the big league level, but you really can't uh, you can't feel too bad about what's coming through the system right now. No, and that's my biggest preaching point, Zach, as far as uh, my everyday. And I think I'm starting to get through to people, but <laughs> it's one of those things. I think finally, with the Fisher Cats winning this season in the Eastern League, pushed that note a little hard for me, and I didn't do as much on my end. <laughs> But that is exactly what's going on here with the Blue Jays minor league system. And that's why I want to make sure I highlight these shows with everybody, with yourself and everybody else. And I'm hoping to get on this show and head up for the South of the Six here. Some new fun stuff in the minor league system. One stat I want to, uh, as a team here, point out to a lot of Blue Jays fans and to bring up to yourself. Because I don't know how far you've been diving into the books here. Blue Jays fans don't know what stolen bases are. <laughs> in Toronto. It's been one of those notorious facts of the game that has been gloriously forgotten. And I, I've been saying that this is a point I think that the Blue Jays minor league system has been pushing is for athletic young talents 
And I think that was on full display here with you guys. 88 stolen bases as a team and 109 tries. Slightly insane. <laughs> yeah. 80% sex, <laughs> success rate. Had some great athletes, and uh, it was just fun. I mean, we played small ball in the getting runners on, moving them over, and getting them in. We played, you know, big ball with Kirk and those guys hitting the ball uh, thousands of miles. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you start with the backdrop at Bowen Field. Kirk put the baseball into that a lot. Oh, I think that is the ones I saw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the stolen base, the stolen base, yeah, it, it speaks for itself. There was a lot of situations where, um, you know, Kirk was on, and you've got your cleanup hitter who was, you know, mashing, to say the least, leading the league in RBIs. So when you got a runner on first, the you know, the old adage was don't steal, let the guy at the plate hit. But, uh, you know, if there was a runner in, on front of Kirk or anyone, if that, that matter, that, that was the attitude they took. You know, if we got the chance, we got the uh, green light, we're going. And, you know, more so than not, they took second. And if they would pitch to Kirk or pitch to whoever, they would end up bringing them on home. So, you know, that getting the runner in scoring position was a big key. And, you know, uh, Alabama, um and those guys uh, did a great job of getting the runners in. Stevenson with some stolen bases, De Los Santos, Lantigua, all those speedsters. You know, they uh, they were not shy about stealing bags, and it was just fun to watch. You know what? Uh, they always say triples are the most exciting play. Well, triples and stolen bases for me, you know, um, along with home runs, uh, it's just so much fun to showcase speed and and Bluefield did that all summer long. And, it, and you know, there's a lot of uh, film out there now on these guys. And, and uh, you know, they're only going to get better at their jumps, secondary leads, and, and things like that. You can't teach speed. And I think a lot of that will be uh, on display in the fall league and then next year uh, in the early spring. Another fun stat, too. You guys also led the league in triples with 32. That's a pretty jumping off a num- uh, page here number when you only play 68 games <laughs> so well the, fun, the funny thing about that the funny thing about that craig is you you've been to bowling field it's it's pretty much an asymmetrical ballpark you know it's 335 down the lines 399 straightaway center there's no quirky corners or anything like that and a lot of these quirky ballparks are where you see a lot of triples you know the ball gets caught in the corner or to take a hop off you know a hillside or something like that and the, but no, not, not a bowling field. You know, it's it's a straight up ballpark, and these guys painted the gaps and painted the lines, and you know they were hustling out of the box, sprinting out of the box, and uh, you know once they got to first, they were looking to second, and and once you know you're halfway between first and second, you're looking over to third. You know, uh, am I stopping? No, I'm coming. So you know, I, I think it. You know, that uh, attests to Dennis Holmberg as well. You know, uh, guys. At that age, they don't want to be held to singles and doubles. You know, they want to kind of let loose of the reins. And, you know, I've got speed, folks. Let me run. And Dennis let them run. So, you know, a lot of times uh, a ball would go down the line or into the gap. No, it was like you're on the edge of your seat. Something's about to happen either. You know, you're going to get a double and, and thrown out at third or you're you're getting into third. And it was a lot of exciting triples uh, this summer for Bluefield. It was fun. Yeah, and clearly with that gas pedal down you know 
Alejandro Kirkmick probably making the biggest beneficiary of all those runners being on base with 57 RBIs and 10 home runs. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things you guys keep cycling around the bases. You're going to score plenty of runs. And that's what led to your just missing out on a first place uh, opportunity for the division. And then doing as well as you guys did in the playoffs, period. Yeah, Kirk uh, had, you know, <laughs> Stevenson, Dale Santos, and usually Lantigua or Groshans in front of him. And all three of those guys, uh, more so than not, were on the base. And usually uh, one was knocking one over to third or uh, one was on with a double. So Kirk just had free reign. And, and you saw Kirk, his swing didn't change. Whether it was 2-0 or 0-2, he was all out every swing. He was swinging for the fence. And, you know, a lot of guys are like, oh, you know, people who teach hitting or, or coaching, you know, come on, choke up on 2 uh, two, and, you know, protect the plate, whatever. You know, Kirk kind of had free reign, and, you know, why not? The kid hit over 300, had, uh, you know, 60-plus RBIs, and uh, just tent to the baseball. And, you know, he came up empty very rarely, and I think that's something, you know, scouting reports and stuff, they'll, they'll find holes in his swing, which I think he'll get to work on it as well and uh, better himself as a hitter in the offseason. So, you know, whoever has Kirk next season, he's going up the ladder. Uh, they're going to have fun with a, a great hitter, and he, he's got a great attitude. He, You know, he's so fun to watch. Uh, you know, 5'10", 5'11", about 225, and every time I saw him out in BP or practice before game, just a big smile on his face. He he wanted nothing more than to be at the ballpark, and you know he kind of got pigeonholed as a DH early, but then some injuries behind the plate allowed him to go behind the plate and catch, and he looked great back there. You know, uh, very athletic, great at blocking, great at throwing. Um, so he he can play behind the plate, and whoever gets him next season, they're going to get a great all-around player. Yeah, and they're adding this more depth uh, catcher with uh, with Kirk being as good as he is. Uh, honestly, I, the thing that I think that you pointed out, he goes, just look around the ballpark when Kirk comes up. Everybody stops. <laughs> Even the oh, beer yeah. vendors and everything were sitting there watching the game when Kirk stepped into the plate. That says something, that everybody in that ballpark knew enough to stop and say, hey, you know what, this guy's got the pop, and watching him do exactly that. And in all reality, it looks like he doesn't have the worst eye at the plate either with 33 walks. So they got something good to build on with him. I do love the swing hard in case you hit it principle with him, though, because it just it, oh. it plays. <laughs> that, that, was my, that was my adage in college, which I wasn't as, as half as good as Kirk. But uh, Keyword in I, case. You mentioned, <laughs> yeah, just in case I got a hold of it, it was going. But, uh, you know, you mentioned people stopping. I, I was the same way when I'd be there early at the ballpark doing my prep for the game or something. Uh, if I saw Kirk get into the cage on the field, I was stopping to watch Kirk hit. So, you know, it, it was so contagious. And uh, I think Dan Patrick, uh, some, because bathroom can wait, you know, if you're watching TV. There you go. Uh, Kirk, Kirk's going to be one of those players. Bathroom can wait. Beer can wait if uh, – if Kirk's going to play, I'll hold up a minute and see what happens. Yeah, some, another player that uh, struck me, at least with having the heart to be an everyday Major League Baseball player, Cal Stevenson, Stevenson I literally witnessed go through a wall in left field when I was there <laughs> and came up with one of the most phenomenal catches I've had a chance of seeing firsthand. And 
I was waiting for the friends, you know, his buddies to come out after, you know, the first game was over there in the doubleheader, Zach, and put the chalk outline out in the outfield where he fell. <laughs> <laughs> well, the great thing about that catch was he came up the next half inning and got a triple. So, you know, they, they went out and checked on him. He, he knocked himself, you know, uh, he didn't knock himself out, but knocked the breath out of himself. So he kind of lay there to regroup. Dennis and, and the training staff went up to check on him. He stayed in the ball game, and then, like two outs later, gets up to the plate and hits a triple. Yeah, me so, if I'm wrong. Yeah. He was in the whole second game of that doubleheader that was there too. It was two seven inning games the day I happened to stop by. I'm pretty sure he yeah. was in the whole yeah, last second was, game too. So that's just shows yeah, you how much was, he wants to be out there. Yeah, he's one of those players which they had a great four man rotation in the outfield with him, the DJs, and Abadesa, uh, Neil and Theron, and. Uh, you know, Cal was out there more so than not. He was a, a day, uh, everyday player, and uh, he played a lot in left, some in right, some in center. So he's a, a very versatile player and uh, a great eye at the plate. He, he's a five-tool player. I think uh, he's going to, you know, barring any injury or anything, which, you know, we hate to speak on, but, you know, it's just part of the game. I think barring any injury, he, he's going to make a quick climb. Yeah, he struck me as a guy that's um... – He's got all the tools to do that quick climb, like you were mentioning there. And then just having the eye at the plate, having between Bluefield and the Gulf Coast League this year, he had 64 walks. And that doesn't to go along with a batting average that is slightly ridiculous and almost video game numbers at 369. <laughs> so, yeah, um, he, it's good stuff he, to see. He was such a, such a catalyst of that, the top of the order there for Bluefield. It, it seemed like. Uh, which there was a few games that he didn't hit well that, uh, you know, the rest of the order picked up. But it seemed like as he went, the Jays went, and, and he went rather well this year. Yeah. So another player I wanted to ask you about, and you only got to see him briefly, this year's uh, high-end draft pick, Josh Groshans. <laughs> and what did, I know you guys only got to really see him for the playoffs for the more or less, right? Yeah, he came in a few weeks before the playoffs, about, uh, you know, at the First or second weekend, a second weekend of August. So we got to see him a few weeks, and you know, highly talented draft picks. So you're always, you know, antsy to see those guys come in. And uh, first couple weeks were slow. He, he was uh, very, uh, you know, n- not really seeing the ball well, not not finding uh, holes. So he was, you know, kind of rolling over on a few ground balls. But uh, uh, he was. I, I guess he's a middle infielder by trade, but they had to put him at third because, you know, middle infield, they were Santos and Lantigua, mm-hmm. uh, you know, great double play tandem. But uh, finally he got his footing uh, about a week before playoffs, started hitting the ball really well, uh, had a home run in the – I know he had at least one home run in the yep. playoff series. He may have had two. Uh, played lights out at third, very good glove. He's, he's rather smooth as a fielder, and the bat came along late. So – uh, you know, the little bit that I got to solve oceans, uh, you know, I, I was uh, impressed by his tenacity. You know, sometimes you move, you get moved around late in the year and, uh, you know, find a place to stay, getting acclimated to the new settings, all anger in the playoff push. So, you know, those things can kind of weigh on you a little bit. And baseball is not an easy game regardless. So, uh, you know, got a couple of other things on your plate you're dealing with. But, uh, you know, he, he got through the, uh, the little uh, slump he had and played very well for the playoffs. And, and definitely he was uh, – he helped more, way more than he hurt in that playoff push. And he was there 
uh, every night in the series playing well in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think a lot of that probably goes to the wonderful environment that is their player in uh, Bluefield, like you said, with Dennis Holmberg being that, that main steering of the ship guy. The captain is fully in charge here. And like that father figure you were talking about as well, to be able to read somebody like Groshans, because as far as it goes, he just completely decimated the Gulf Coast League. And I was not expecting him to make that transition as quick as he might have did. I was expecting him maybe the you know almost even kind of come back to Bluefield next year or something like that. But, no, like I said, from what I noticed from your wonderful broadcast, Zach, it sounded like he was picking things back up. Yeah, he was fun to watch uh, there uh, late. You know, we, we, I, I was just, you know, I, I, I've been there before, you know, moving place to place and playing in different areas. And the golf, the golf Coast League, you know, is very different than the Appalachian League. Um, despite both being rookie leagues, you know, it, it's a, it's a little bit different. Gulf Coast League, you're not traveling. Uh, yep. you know, uh, Appalachian League, you are traveling and, and you know, uh, you know, the Appalachian region, well, you drove it to, when you came in, uh, you know, yeah. So those are a few things you got to get used to and Groshans, uh, you know, dialed in there late in August and, uh, you know, it was a, a great, great pickup for the Jays. Uh, you know, they were playing third base by a committee, really, at that point, which, you know, had a few good guys. Uh, De Los Santos was playing third a little bit, and Lantigua was too. But, uh, you know, Groshans fit in nicely, and, and once he found a groove, it was uh, – he was hell on wheels, really. Yeah, and I think that's what Blue Jays fans were looking forward to hearing after uh... – I don't know. I don't think a lot of Blue Jays fans knew what to think of this year's draft, you know, because it wasn't, you know, we had, maybe it's because of the pending Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to Toronto thing. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, we have to do this. <laughs> but clearly yeah. you guys got to reap the benefits uh, in Bluefield of what this year's draft crop was between Stevenson and Groshans and everybody else. So um, it's a solid draft, I thought, that was this year. And there's one other gentleman from that draft I want to talk about, and Andy McGuire. And has fun with being a two-way player that a lot of Blue Jays fans probably do not know. But um, had a very salvageable season on both sides of the baseball, I thought. Which, well, give us your impression on which way do you think is probably the best for him at this point. Well, I tell you, he was one I didn't know about either because he came in a few weeks after the draft. Uh, and, you know, uh, the roster came late to me, so I was – uh, fitting pieces of, of prep together, digging up, you know, college websites or, or uh, you know, uh, just any type of information I could on all these players, and I've got a big binder full of it still. But McGuire came late, so I really didn't have that much information on him, and, and I was trying to kind of learn about him as I went. And his dad was uh, very helpful in that manner. He, he was uh, following me on Twitter and messaging me uh, during the games when I was talking about him. So McGuire... Uh, you know, you mentioned he plays two. You know, he plays uh, you know, in the field and also pitches. He's also a swimmer and was a very good uh, football player in high school. And uh, he's from Northern Virginia, and he ended up at the University of Texas. Which many things, you know, how do you end up there? <laughs> yeah, well, he he actually he went to a uh, swimming camp in Austin, Texas, when he was a kid. And was swimming down there, and, and I guess his dad went and picked him up, and they said, uh, "How'd you like it?" He said, "I want to go to school at UT." 
And they're like, oh, the swim. And he's like, no, I play baseball. <laughs> so he kind of switched it up and walked on at UT, and, and they used him in the field a lot. We used a great bat, great glove. He actually played first base before he pitched for, for Bluefield. And uh, he did a, red, a really nice job, you know, some, some plays that, uh, you know, a day-to-day first baseman usually don't make. He had a couple of, uh, you know, plays deep in the hole, uh, a couple of nice scoops. And he hit the ball rather well. I think he had like a 275, maybe 280 batting average. Yep. Uh, but I think I think that would have went up had he got to play every day. But he picked really well. He had about a three-quarter to a half arm slot, a little sidearm action, which is always uh, tough to pick up. And he, and he pitched well out of the pin. And he was always, uh, you know, usually had a great outing out of the pin. So I, I think I may mention maybe once or twice in the broadcast, you know, when he moves up the ladder, it's going to be it's going to be somebody's job to figure out what they're going to do with Andy McGuire because you know I think uh, if he was pigeonholed for a pitcher or he was pigeonholed for uh, a player in the field, I think he could do both rather well. But you know if you split time, I think that takes away from uh, both really. I, I think you've got to find uh, his his solidified spot and leave him there. He's a great athlete, great attitude. Uh, and, and, you, and when you you play multiple positions, you've got to have a great attitude. Like, hey, coach, just throw me anywhere, I'll play. And that's what Andy McGuire was. And, and I hope that someone gets a hold of him and kind of figures out which piece he'll fit better in in the overall scheme of things. Because I think he can play. Uh, you know, he can pitch on the mound, or he can play first base or in the outfield. Uh, you know, for years to come. And, and I hope, uh, you know, I wish nothing but the best for him. I just hope they can figure out where he fits because um, I think his ERA was under two or close to two, uh, you know, out of the bullpen. So, you know, he had some great stats, uh, both ends of the spectrum. Uh, but I really would like to see him hone in on one and, and see what, what he can do. Yeah, and in all reality, if you blur – like me looking, I saw him obviously play. Um, he was playing first baseman of the game. Um, I was there for the first part of it, and I think he actually was on the bench and came in relief in the game, the second game. But yeah. um, as far as it goes, if you look blatantly at his stats, I'd give you a 50-50 either way at this point. It's kind of weird to see that he, like I said, he performed admirably at the plate, and maybe you make the argument that you know he put 23 innings in on the mound and had a you know, a one whip, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, that's pretty good for somebody right out of the bullpen. And I, I really hope that whatever level he does play at, at least next season, they just let him keep doing this and let him, let his athleticism show, because that was how he struck me when I saw him on the field. It was just, he, this guy is super athletic. Let's refine that down into a couple of things and see where it goes. You are already saying that he was a spray and pray athlete playing whatever he wanted. And it sounded like he performed at any of those sports that he felt like picking, swimming, football, baseball, whatever it might be. So it'll be interesting to see where his future goes as a pitcher or a fielder. Yeah, but uh, Moore Sutherland is a great kid. And, you know, always the best for him. Uh, but it's, it's always fun, especially at this rookie level. You see that sometimes, but not not as much anymore as, as you probably used to. There was a few, very few blowouts that the Blue Jays had. A few position players uh, got on the mound and, and threw a little bit. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, way early in the year, I don't think who it was. I think it was an outfield through maybe a scoreless ninth or something. So you see that sometimes. But, you know, Andy McGuire, I think, 
is probably I him and Brad are probably the best athletes in the organization to be honest with you just from top to bottom I think uh is going to be something that all Blue Jays fans know uh, you know know his name soon enough yeah, and um, I, I honestly had that idea of what, maybe not going to, you know, Vlad's honestly a great comparison as far as athlete, pure athleticism goes, but just that fact that he can do anything you toss at him really caught me off guard. <laughs> but yeah. as far as all the other fun goes here, I'm going to use um, McGuire as a segue to go to our pitching side of our show here. <laughs> and I wanted to talk uh, Nicholas Medina, and I honestly, he was one of those guys I didn't really know about, and Correct me if I'm wrong with saying his name. <laughs> but um, as far as it goes, he kind of stood out to me, and I was a little shocked by the numbers I saw and uh, what I kept hearing from you on the radio. Yeah, four and one on the year, you know, uh, under two ERA. He was uh, he was lights out in a, you know, not a tall lefty, under six feet, but, uh, you know, he threw hard, and he was, uh, lack of a better term, he was a bulldog. Like, he went at hitters. And uh, nothing really scared him. I, you know, had, you know, he'd give up a, a hit, and he, you know, pound his glove, get the ball back, and, and go, you know, three straight strikes and, and get a guy out. So Medina had a great year. He was definitely one of the many great arms uh, Bluefield had this year, and uh, he was fun to watch. It was it was almost you know between him and Pardino, which we'll touch on later. Uh, those two guys, you know, you, every time you come into the ballpark, uh, knowing those guys were pitching, you felt really good about the night. You said, you know, it's not going to take many runs uh, to get this one, but, uh, you know, you felt really good. And Medina, I tell you, uh, I, I'm sure he'll be at Paul, Arizona Fall League, and getting some work. Uh, but uh, the scouts are going to have their eyes on him. He's a good lefty, and uh, – I, you know, he, he started a couple of games for us and come in relief, I think, uh, maybe early in the year once they were trying to figure out where they were going to put him. But, um, you know, he he's a, a very young, great lefty arm out of Venezuela, and uh, he's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and him paired as, at the age of 18 with uh, Pardino. Um, just the two of them, like you were saying, lights out. And uh, Pardino only being 17. <laughs> and uh, he's facing guys every day in this league with you uh, in Bluefield there that he's like almost four years on average younger than everybody he's facing and puts up a 2.88 ERA through 50 innings of work. That's only slightly impressive. <laughs> part, part so he was thrown in the low 90s before he could buy cigarettes, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was the first few outings, Pardini threw really well and just did not get the run support. There was a couple of losses that he took that uh, he should not have taken. And he, I, I don't know if it's his young, uh, he, he, it, it wasn't like he had a, uh, you know, a bad attitude, like a cocky attitude, but he had very, very good confidence for a 17 year old. Like, uh, you know, even in those outings, I think he may have got roughed up once. Really, really roughed up once, and that was at Princeton. Uh, you know, and they had a tremendous lineup. You know, I think uh, Bluefield had maybe four after League All Stars. Princeton had four, so eight out of you know fifteen of the after League All Stars were on the field when Bluefield and Princeton played. And Cardinio was not, you know, nothing faced him whatsoever. He got the ball and just did his thing. He, very good. 
velocity. Uh, you know, I like his arm slot. It's it's almost um, you know he's not a very tall body, mm-hmm. but he's he's got room to grow. And, and I like his arm slot because I don't think it's going to put too much tear uh, uh, on his you know his limbs. So I, I think he's he's going to be good for a long time. And uh, you know he throws well, heavy. Uh, spots it very well, and, and they're uh, hitters, you know, like you said, four or five years older than him, and they, they look silly at the plate going up against a 17-year-old. Uh, the Appy League is, is a little new to some of these guys, but uh, Pardino pitched in the baseball, uh, the World Baseball Classic at one of the qualifiers a year ago, so, yep. you know, big games aren't, aren't anything to Pardino, and uh, when uh, it's, it's a little daunting being the face of, uh, of a country's baseball um promise here in 2018 but uh, that's that's Pardino for Brazil and uh, I think uh, you know if uh, if someone's carrying around a Brazilian flag I think Pardino was uh, you know going to fit that rather well and, and a young arm with him and Medina uh, I, I would love to see those two climb the ladder together and, and see what they can do because uh, both young uh, great kids and, uh, you know, they've got great stuff, one from the right side, one from the left side, pitching back-to-back days and, uh, you know, <laughs> play two and pray for rain. You know, that's really what you got to do with those two. Yeah, they're looking, hoping that they get that day off in between facing them one way or the other as far as everything goes. But like I said, that is just one heck of a one-two punch, at, and especially at the age of those two guys. It's just that's the stuff that, you know, franchises are built on as far as, you know, scouting goes and to be able to pull somebody like either of them from, you know, uh, from Brazil and then Venezuela, it's just, it's even more gold. And that's honestly where the Blue Jays have made their big bank with most of their players over their, you know, 10 year period having players from, you know, Latin America period is their main players, you know, the Roberto Alomars and all that kind of stuff. That's where the Blue Jays have made their main promise with their talent for years. And it's good to see them back to that kind of norm again because they got away from it a little bit. But as far as yeah, all the I mean, fun goes I mean, here. Oh, go ahead. No, just saying Medina, Pardino, Vlad Jr. Uh, this year the double play combo of De Los Santos and Lantigua. You know, like you said, a lot of great Latin American talent. And, uh, you know, baseball, you know, baseball, a great Latin American base is always never bad. And uh, now the, the Blue Jays have, you know, got back into the swing of things of scouting and, and pulling great talent from that area. You know, this farm system is in a, it's in a great uh, situation right now, I really think. Yeah, it's almost bursting with talent at this point. And uh, for some reason, it'll plethora of middle infield talent but that's besides the point yeah <laughs> so looks like I, someone always i, I quite probably remember who said it but they said uh you know draft draft nine shortstops and we'll find somewhere to play them you know you know uh you can about play a, a middle infield or anywhere on the infield and they're going to give you a great effort and uh you know if they can catch a fly ball even better stick them on the outfield they'll always have great speed and a great arm and uh you know you can't go wrong with great middle infield talent. Yeah, I've been making the goof that Vladimir Guerrero is going to be forced out of the infield rather than going to be <laughs> played out of the infield, you know what I mean? Almost like right now with the Blue Jays top end of their system with Vigio, Boba Shutt, Vladimir Guerrero, and then you have already, you know, 
Flores Gurriel Jr. is already on the big club and some of these other guys, where are all these guys going to play when they get to the majors? And in all reality, I don't see them trading a lot of these guys because as we're talking about through the show, Zach, the talent is there. If they could just keep milking this system and be, keep backfilling for many years to come, and it's going to be very, very uh, interesting to watch throughout the system and in Toronto. I've, I've got a first baseman, Smith, from college I can – Mel to Vlad, if uh, if that's a, <laughs> if you would like to borrow that, I mean, I, you know, I think uh, I, I think it would be a great first baseman, but uh, you know, uh, just finding somewhere for all these guys to play is going to be tough, and, and you know, who would not want that problem to have? Really, oh, it's the best problem to have in baseball. And then, just for the record, between everybody here, Zach and I both know Vlad Guerrero Jr. can play third base. That is not the argument here. There's just so many talented yeah. fielders. Is the argument? <laughs> yeah, it's it pretty much, uh, you know, it, I think it might get to a point for Toronto is uh, who's hot in the lineup. That's who is going to start. You know, the defense is going to be pretty uh, even kill across the board. It's just who's bad is hotter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> why why not at this point? But I, I, I think we've talked before, I would hate to see Vlad pigeonholed in the DH as young as he is because he is athletic and he can play. Uh, play out in the field defensively, but sometimes you got to do things you don't want to to uh, fill out a lineup card. And, and and I know a lot of Blue Jays fans want to see Vlad Jr. and soon enough he will. And and I think that once once he gets to Toronto, he's not going back down. Oh, I think he's going to be gangbuster as soon as he's in there. And um, having the pleasure of watching him with the Buffalo Bisons this season here in Rochester, New York, he's a <laughs> He's a man amongst boys for a lot of things in the minor leagues. So as far as it goes, his defense, quote unquote, isn't major league ready, but he is dang good at short at third base. Period. So I don't know where some of these scouts are seeing some of these things. Someone I saw him in Buffalo. He made a few nice backhanded plays going toward third base and made it look like everyday plays. So it's just how it is. But it's a great problem to have, as you mentioned, Zach. So. Before I keep you, you know, too much longer here, I have our goof around wrap up questions here and some of our fun ones here. First off, I want to ask you, who was the most exciting player you got to see in Bluefield this year? Oh, hands down, Alejandro Kirk. <laughs> I figured that's where we going that from our previous conversation, but I'm just gonna I, make sure I we love... highlight these things right at the end of our show here. <laughs> I love Alejandro Kirk. I played uh, I played football, baseball, and basketball in high school. I was a, a right guard and a middle linebacker. And uh, anytime you can see a bigger guy take over a ball game from behind the plate and hitting, it's, it's always fun. And like you said, you know, when Kirk was coming up, people would look over in the on-deck circle. Oh, there's Alejandro. I'm not getting up. So, you know, it, he made it exciting because, you know, there was writers in the area that I knew from, from other sports who were messaging me on Twitter or texting me during the ball game, like, when's Kirk coming up? I want to listen in. I'm like, all right, next half inning. And, you know, we, we had people like that that would tune in just to hear Kirk, and then they would, like, they would come back in two, two innings. You know? So Kirk had, Kirk had this, uh, you know, rock star persona in Bluefield this year, and um, he, he was so fun to watch. And, uh, you know, it's going to be fun to watch follow his career. He struck me as like a guy like the size of Jerome Bettis, you know, swinging a baseball bat when I was watching. Yeah. <laughs> as far as it goes, just for everybody to give you that gauging, he is a very, you know, even though his stature isn't too hot, too big, you know, he's just he carries it, and he has plenty of pop in that bat. So 
Next question. Yeah, it's one of those guys you nope, it's ahead. one of those guys you see uh you you, you see the you know, five eleven, two twenty and, and you know, ah, okay. That you know, that's that's just a normal sized guy or whatever. But you know, he's strong. <laughs> he's very strong and it, every time a, a baseball hit his bat, it's like a gunshot going off. So, yeah. you know, uh, you know he's going to be a, an everyday player, I think, for somebody very soon, uh, you know, next next spring. Yep, there you go. So, Alejandro Kirk, your most exciting Bluefield Blue Jay to watch. Um, how about your biggest surprise of the season? Who caught you off guard? Probably Cal Stevenson, really. Uh, you know, didn't know much about him coming in. Um and, you know, Pac-12, you know, outfielder, you know, you expect the, the big schools to produce, produce good talent. Um, but he came in right off, the, you know, the college season and didn't skip a beat. And, you know, he found ways. Uh, he would get on, um, you know, whether it be a, a walk, which he had a lot of, or, or a base hit or a single or, or a double sometimes. And, uh, you know, he wasn't satisfied wherever he was. If he was at first, he's going to second. If he was at second, you know, he, he, he read the low ball read very good, a curveball in the dirt. He was, uh, you know, he, he read it nicely, was taken off. Or, uh, you know, he found uh, uh, the tendency from the pitcher, and he read that a couple of pitches and was taken off. He knew, you know, he knew the game. He, he did a lot of homework in his scouting. And, uh and uh, oh, oh yeah, he was great in the outfield too. He ran down a lot of balls, fearless diving catches, the catch into the wall. I know, run into the wall, fearless firsthand. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, you know, uh, one of those things, kids like that though, you're a little worried about how durable they'll be because you know when they play reckless like that, uh, how long will they last? But uh, you know, I think he played rather smart, and he, he didn't miss any time this year on the DL or, or anything like that. So. You know, I, he's going to be in the organization. Like many of these young talents we've talked about, he's going to be in there for a long time. And, uh, you know, he's he's another guy. When uh, they get up to the plate, yeah, I can wait a minute on this beer. I can wait a minute on going to the bathroom. Uh, let's see what Cal does. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Um, how about the, well, outside of me, of course, you know, the best guest you had for the season? I think it was that night you came, it was like, uh, boom, 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 rock star, rock star, rock star. Brady <laughs> um, Little, uh, he was great to talk to, which you didn't get to talk to him much because it had a short inning. And, you know, he was kind of, him and his grandson were on their way to Cooperstown to see Chipper get inducted. He, he had coached Chipper, yep. you know, in the 90s with the Braves. Um, had uh, the Virginia governor on. They did a, a great little tour of Virginia, the minor league ballparks. And, he stopped in for a little bit with a great interview. Lee Landers, who is the uh, outgoing president of Appalachian League. Lee Landers was the president of Appalachian League in the early 90s when I began knowing what baseball was. So, really, Lee Landers is the only Appalachian League president that I've ever known. Wow. And I've got a, chance, got a chance to talk to him, and just some of the stuff he spoke about was so great. You know, I had some great guests. You're being one of them. All summer long. I, I really can't choose one over the other, but uh, we had fun all summer long at Bluefield. That's good stuff. So, on the fun topic, what was the best promo that you guys had at the ballpark? Minor League Baseball is known for having some of their goofball oddities, so I figured there's got to be one you liked in particular. <laughs> we really didn't get too goofy this year. Uh, one of my favorites, though, being a, a veteran, uh, we had an all-military night. 
and a lot of great people in the area that um, I served with uh, locally in the National Guard in Virginia got to make it out to the ballpark and they brought their kids and uh, did a great night, you know, honoring the troops and the veterans. And it was a beautiful night. And, and that's what and baseball's an American pastime. And why not, uh, you know, honor the veterans and the troops going on now? And we, I think, you know, our organization did a top-notch job of that. They honored the vets uh, throughout the broadcast, or throughout the game, I should say. And uh, it was a great night. Well, that is good stuff, bud. I'm, I, thank you for very much for taking the goofy out of the show, but I appreciate your service. We were kind of we were kind of low key on the goofy. I, I would have liked to see more goofy, but uh, you know, uh, the short season we didn't we didn't get too goofy, and uh, maybe next year we will. I don't know. Maybe they'll let me do the promotion. Well, just judging, <laughs> it, from it will the, get out. just judging from the characters I met there in the booth, I just figured it had been a little off the wall, you know. <laughs> Well, I think all the off the wall was in the press box. I think that's that's why they put us in there to keep us away from everyone else. It's like the padded room. Got it. It really was. The, you know, I, I don't know if the door was locked or not, but they let us out at the end of the night. Well, you guys let me walk in. It can't be that normal. Well, I think that's why we just I, we thought you were someone observing our character. <laughs> no, I wasn't exactly putting you on the couch or anything, Zach. So no worries. So, but speaking of odd. What was the weirdest, this is the last thing I got for you, weirdest thing that you saw on the field while you were at, there's got to be some weird play that stands out for you throughout the season. I, uh, <laughs> weird play. Uh, Cal Stevenson hit one in the right field. Looked like a, uh, you know, routine fly ball. The right fielder slipped and it dropped and went into the corner. Well, Cal, uh, Cal doing what Cal does, he was hustling. He uh, had a double easily, was trying for third, and the throw to third went into the beer garden. <laughs> the beer garden, right? A lovely fan in a uh, giant pie yeah. glass, right? <laughs> yeah. It may have been late in the ballgame, so someone may have been drunk and not sure what hit him. But, uh, so Cal got an inside-the-park home run on that. Uh, that one, and uh, late in the ball game, there was a, uh, a play at third. Uh, I'm not, I, I can't quite remember who it was or, or uh, how it started, but the first baseman cut off a throw. There was a runner, big turnaround third, and uh, the first baseman cut off the throw from the outfield and was throwing over to third behind the runner, and the field umpire wears it in the back. <laughs> <laughs> so it hit the field umpire in the back, and then the runner just took off and went on home. And, uh, you know, that was one of those things you never – you hardly ever see at a ball game with yeah. the field umpire Make sure everybody's all getting right hit in the back. Okay. <laughs> now we can have a fun about it. But it yeah, but there was, there was always uh, – we always joked about, you know, just another night in the Appalachian League. Like uh, one night we had a rain delay, and our GM was kind of worried because we had a fireworks show. Uh, plan for after the game. Well, the rain delay was going to last at least an hour. So <laughs> we turn off the lights and start the fireworks in the middle of the rain delay, which uh, adds to the delay because the fog around the smoke and the fog after the rain had quit, we had to wait another 30 minutes for that to clear. That just said, you know, that's another night in the Appalachian League because, you know, anything that can happen at a ballpark is going to happen uh, in the Appalachian League. 
But at least you guys know how to have fun down there, it seemed like. Like I said, I love the... Um, and if I'm ever in the area again, I will definitely be stopping by and making visit all my wonderful food. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's how yeah, things are in the Appy League, man. This is how it is. We definitely we definitely made every night fun, especially in the booth. We played, we played a game. Uh, our scoreboard guy, I don't know if you got to meet Terry, but Terry was always very close to uh, first pitch. You know, uh, I was usually over my area prepping for the game, putting in lineups, setting up my scorebook, and maybe reading about the pitcher or whatever. Uh, my cousin Brady did the PA. He did a lot of fun things like questions and stuff uh, during the broadcast, um, you know, to, to add to it. Yeah. Um, our video guy, which was the GM son, Tyler, was always putting graphics on his computer for the big board, and then our scorekeepers down there were filling out their books and getting everything lined out. Terry, our scoreboard keeper, though, was always like very close to uh, first pitch. So we we put out a, a whiteboard that Terry couldn't see, and we would every night predict how many, uh, what time Terry would show up, uh, how late Terry would be, and how many times Terry would ask what the count was. <laughs> he and the scoreboard operator would think he would be the first to know, but uh, uh, not so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we had fun with uh, Terry, and I don't think Terry realized it either. <laughs> yeah, we, we kept it light in the press box, and, uh, you know, it was just a, such a great group uh, of everybody at the ballpark that did a great job this summer, all the way down, you know, to, to the waitresses and waiters and people in the concession stand. We had a great group there at the ballpark, and, and it made every night just fun to, to show up at work and be at the ballpark. And that's what it's all about right there, fun in games, right? So, Yeah, it, yeah, it's baseball. It's supposed to be fun every night. So, And, uh, you know, some, you know, the, the summer was long, you know, especially I, I do a full-time job in the day for a radio station here locally, and then I was straight from there to the ballpark every night. So, you know, it, it wore on me a little bit, but uh, it, it could have been way worse, and, and I had fun every minute, really. Yeah, it's got to be better than the day job, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, which which I love radio, and and what I do uh, is definitely a fun job. I do um, sales and production and and stuff like that for uh, WRC here in Richlands, Virginia, which is about thirty minutes from Bluefield. And I, and I love my day job. I work with some great people uh, here at WRC and Star ninety five. But um, yeah, uh, I, I've been blessed with some great coworkers, great coworkers this summer, and it, and it just uh, it just made uh, long nights and long days. Uh, bearable really yeah there you go and um so anyways on that whole note man seeing you're kind of going toward it anyways i'm a lot of questions so this is your time to shine man tell everybody where they can find you what we you know what they can look forward to as far as your stuff goes and uh how they can tune into bluefield blue jays baseball yeah i'm on twitter uh at z underscore hell and you can find me there uh I, i get a little crazy on there sometimes uh, on Instagram, I'm uh, uh, Z underscore Helton33. Uh, so you can find me on there. I post a lot of stupid stuff on there. And then Facebook goes Zach Helton. Uh, I, I'm doing uh, full time for WRC. Like I said, sales, production, some on air stuff, and uh, some sports for them. I was doing some high school sports this past year for them uh, high school basketball and baseball and softball before the Blue Jays season. Um, and uh, right now I'm uh, kind of moonlighting instead of baseball. Now I'm doing uh, college football with the UVA Wise uh, Sports Network. They're a Division II school here in Southwest Virginia, and uh, I've been doing football for them this season. 
and you know, I just uh, I, I love being around games. You know, I might as well get paid to go because I'm going to go anyway. So uh, just let me bring my headset and I'll uh, and I'll talk a little bit. So uh, you know, I, I love sports. I, I just love sports and love being around it, and uh, I can't get enough of it. And I'm hoping uh, Brady. I said my cousin Brady, who did the PA. Uh, he and I both are going to go to the winter meetings uh, in December in Vegas and hopefully uh, get a full-time baseball job and uh, keep uh, keep the baseball broadcast dream alive. Well, that sounds good to me, my friend. Um, and I'll make sure that you have a, this recording so you can bring this with you in your pocket, too, because I think this perfectly displays the personality I got when I was uh, with you in the booth. So good deal, my friend. So anyways. Well, you, you made it easy to talk to, man. We, we had fun. We just bantered back and forth, and, oh, there was a baseball game going on. So we had fun, and, uh, yeah. If, if I'm the booth up next summer, you're definitely more than invited to be uh, in my booth. Uh, wherever I go, really, if, if I end up going somewhere else, you're, you're more than, you're more than welcome to come with and, and hang out and, uh, we'll get a, a beverage afterwards. That sounds too easy, my friend. Cheers. So anyways, Zach, it has been a pleasure having you on the show here and, um, we'll get this out soon for you so you can, you know, start using it for your resume. Good deal, Craig. Thank you so much, man. And, uh, Man, go Blue Jays and go Sox too. Go Red Sox. Oh no, gotta cut you now. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody but the Yankees. <laughs> All right, cheers, my friend. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.